Hello world, welcome to another episode of Wheel Bite, episode 3 of season 2. Gonna keep this one short and sweet, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving, hope you got to skate on Thanksgiving when everything was closed. So here it is, East Coast versus West Coast, a classic debate within skating since so much of skate culture was developed on each coast of our fine nation. New York was all about gritty street culture, and Philadelphia was all about Love Park and skating government buildings, while L.A. was all about schoolyards, and San Francisco was all about Embarcadero Plaza. So here it is, East Coast versus West Coast episode. Welcome to San Francisco. Don't skate here. I feel like, I feel like it's dangling by a fucking strain of bone marrow. East Coast powerhouse. I especially like the flip of the board. All right, yo, 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 what's up? Welcome to another episode of Wheel Bite. Today's topic, we are going to be comparing and contrasting the two coastal regions of the United States and the skateboarding that they have produced over the past, I guess now it would be 30 to 40 years. I am host one of two, Theodore Mater, a.k.a. Ted, a.k.a. The Beast from the East Coast. And since I'm from the East Coast... I'm going to be saying my favorite West Coast-based video today. And I honestly think at this juncture in time, my favorite entirely West Coast-based video would be Man Down from the Tilt Mode Army. You've got amazing spots, amazing lineup of people, great soundtrack, one of the best probably in a skate video ever with like Weezer and Guns N' Roses and AHA, the Rolling Stones, the Clash. That list just goes on and on and is absolutely fantastic. But as far as a great representation of suburban California skateboarding, I think Man Down personifies that beautifully. I should have known you were going to say that. <laughs> it's a good giveaway. I should have known. We just got, right after we just got done watching Oververt, yeah. I should have known you were going to pick a some kind of enjoy or tilt mode video for sure. It's only a recent discovery, too. I didn't really get into the tilt mode army until I was late into my 20s. Oh, man. Jay Green here. Uh, we're going to go with my favorite East Coast video. And the first thing that immediately popped in was photosynthesis and Josh Kalis, of course. When I first saw that video, I was like something happened in my head where I was just like, all right, this is it. This is like my shit. This is I'm in now. I think that I'm video, all the way in. That video had a profound effect on most people in our age group. Everyone sort of had that epiphany when they saw it as youngsters the love park footy being a san francisco kid 
you know, we favor the plazas, of course. Right. So, like, the Love Park footy and just the grittiness of it. I have this thing where I really like videos, I think, where a lot of it is filmed at the same spot. You know, just all that whole era of Love Park and all that shit. I, I love that. Well, you got to think, too, that was kind of how they did it back then. That's not really something you necessarily see this day and age. I mean, a handful of videos, you'll see that if people normally skate a lot of those spots together. If you watch a video from Spain or something, you're obviously going to see a lot of footage at Makba or something like that. Or if you watch any video in New York or something, you're going to see a lot of those spots over and over again. But that style of video doesn't necessarily exist anymore which is kind of a bummer, but they were filming so much at Love Park. Even the dudes in photosynthesis who weren't East Coast-based, like Anthony Van Englen, he was very much Southern California-based at that time. But, you know, those dudes were all flying out to Love Park to film their parts. Even someone like Mark Appleyard had footage. It was, yeah, that was the golden era of the plaza. The end of it, for sure. Right, yeah, I guess. Love Park was arguably the last major spot like that that was getting tons and tons of press coverage and just dominating skateboarding. And I think, I mean, San Francisco and Philadelphia and I guess, yeah, New York as well have always been the three cities with the spots like that that dominate all of skateboarding. People always reference Pulaski in Washington, D.C., too. And that's true. It did have that kind of spot. But when you think of classic skate spots through and through, the first things that always come to mind for people are either Love Park or Embarcadero or the Brooklyn Banks. Yeah. Sorry, that's the other one. Well, what I was thinking of is talking about photosynthesis like before this, before uh, taping here, there's never been a real like plaza in New York. I mean, right. they, they I had mean, Washington Square. Flushing, oh, Flushing yeah. kind of had that plaza, like you could hit the, the grate and the ledges. I'd call that kind of like plaza skateboarding. Oh, absolutely. So Flushing, and then the, I don't know where that one spot was, but they had a couple ledges. But like the Banks, obviously, is not a plaza spot. And then when you mentioned Pulaski, I'm like, yeah, that's another East Coast spot. That's a plaza, but... New York kind of didn't miss out on it, I guess, the way the city was constructed or whatever. They never They had really... Washington Square, though. That was like was the big that the congregation of where they all met but was up. That and... like, is that like a dope spot? Not like necessarily. With... It was like a lot of them skating over trash cans. That's right, what most right, of the coverage yeah. you would see there. And then maybe there were some benches or some ledges that you'd, you might see someone hit. But for the most part, that was just the meetup spot. It wasn't the yeah. like hang out and skate yeah. all day spot the same way maybe the banks would have been yeah, yeah, or yeah. even flushing. Right. So I get what you're saying there. Like the, the banks are definitely not a plaza spot. The Brooklyn banks are the Brooklyn banks. I remember reading this piece about the Brooklyn banks once and I can't remember which photographer was saying it, but they were discussing the first time they ever went there and they got to the Brooklyn banks and they realized they were stepping on like needles, you know, just they were stepping back to take photos and look down and there were needles underneath their feet, which is crazy. I've never been to Brooklyn banks, but I could imagine it is just about as gritty of a spot 
like there is. Mm-hmm. The like East Coast, just fucking under, you know, underneath the overpass, just like really, really gritty East Coast skateboarding. I I mean, I've heard stories, and I think that is the first major city or like town spot that people think of brooklyn banks it's got the fucking name Mm -hmm. in it and people were skating the brooklyn banks so long ago too in terms of new york spots any new york skater you ever read an interview with hear their history their insights their story it all goes back to the banks and how everyone And not just from New York. You had people from New Jersey coming out there, people from Boston, Connecticut, all sorts of people drove hours just to skate the Brooklyn Banks. Like It was the spot where everyone within miles and miles and miles congregated. Kind of one of those very first skateboard sanctuary spots. Yeah. I think it even predates Embarcadero, but... Barely. I would say, yeah. Just barely. Yeah. The first, like late 80s, maybe. Yeah. Embarcadero was maybe like 89. It was starting to really get some heat. But the Brooklyn Banks, I mean, you go back to the days of shut skateboards. They were skating it back in the late 80s when they were fucking scaring the hell out of everybody. But Embarcadero has that more classic longevity to it because it produced so much content and so many people like there weren't careers made at the Brooklyn Banks the same way they were made at Embarcadero like the Brooklyn Banks had a lot go down but you look at someone like Henry Sanchez or Mike Carroll and they had such an influence from just hanging out at Embarcadero every single day that was what I wanted to do in skating was I wanted to hang out at a spot like all day i wanted which is we definitely got that from spots like that from emb from pier seven from the brooklyn banks from pulaski from these like major iconic coastal spots we definitely like were mimicking that i wanted to have most of my footage at one spot i wanted to skate at one spot we wanted to name our crew after the fucking spot we skated Mm -hmm. you know we totally were like mimicking that for sure and the thing about the brooklyn banks though that i don't necessarily think everyone remembers there was more there than just the bank one of the most notorious examples is jamie thomas's opening line in welcome to hell he does that whole huge line through the entire like other side of the brooklyn banks and then also there's the whole clip of danny way doing the front side tail slide down the handrail and that was so early in his career and like well, you could, I mean, the main thing was the bank. So there's the wall ride. And going there's, over the wall. You could go, uh, Stevie did some gnarly shit, like over from the top, like into the bank. Oh, yeah. You know, like over the curb. I think, oh, man, there was so much cool stuff done over the wall into the bank. Like, or I'm sorry. There and then so there's much... that gnarly rail. Yeah. That was the one I was talking about with Danny Way doing the front side tail yeah. slide on. But what I meant to say was there's so much good footage of people going out of the bank and over the wall. 
Like I think if I had to quantify my favorite thing ever done over there, like Jeff Pang did a oh that's right flip no that's right, right 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 oh yeah now I know what you're talking about yeah Rob Welsh switch 360 flip that was another one I was gonna say Most, and then didn't Kalis uh, do a switch backside Kalis did it? the switch backside flip and Costin nollie back heeled it <sighs> I always forget about Costin doing the nollie yeah. back heel but that was that, yeah I've totally forgot that that was that's a part of the Brooklyn Banks right right yeah. where they're launching over into the freeway yeah yep yep yeah that thing. Another one of those spots that I feel like probably was hell and gnarly, like the launch over that. Yeah, it was gritty, and the banks were no fucking joke. Like, that's why they produced some of the grittiest skaters ever. You know, you look at the people who hung out there a lot, like Justin Pierce, and Sheffy was hanging out there a lot early on in his career, and Jeff Pang. A lot Jeff of those Pang. New York dudes were going yeah. heavy. Embarcadero, like you said, you know, that was the idea of you would just skate one spot all day. And I think the crew that Embarcadero gave birth to, because when you listen to interviews with them and they talk about how, I mean, that's a sanctuary skate spot for sure. And all those kids were going through various things like they were all products of divorce or they were all living on the streets. But Embarcadero was that sort of haven where they could go, exist, make money, skate all day and just... Chill. be themselves yeah. and not have to worry about it yeah i mean in the grand scheme of things i would argue embarcadero is the most classic skate spot thinking back on it that was the it was just kind of the style thinking about like la and the footage that was coming out a little bit after that like lockwood i was about to say uh, la was mostly known for school lockwood, lockwood chafee uh, a lot of people skate those banks at Paul Revere as well. So, yeah, yeah, the yeah. So that was, yeah, that was definitely the the thing back then. And I want to go back actually to what you're saying about a spot making someone's career. Mm -hmm. I'm let's we should talk about that for sure. That doesn't necessarily. I mean, I guess it has to go with the the coastal topic here. But man, that spot. I don't want to make it seem like the spot made their career. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they made the spot with their amazing skateboarding, but that totally helped them. It absolutely, absolutely. helped everything. Referring to Embarco's most blunted, of course. Right. It 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 totally just it was perfect. It was they were laying the ground for everything, and they it was just like. I don't know. It just seemed so perfect because they were known as just like there and they got so much attention for it. And the Gons Gap came out of it and the double set that was there. There was there was other things, too. So you always hear about like Jamie Thomas went there and he was like fucking with the double set and the Gons Gap. Right. And let's not forget, too, right around the corner was Hubba Hideout. Hubba Hideout. Another huge yeah. San Francisco Literally, spot. like, across the street is Hubba Hideout. And then for people who don't know and may have never been to San Francisco and skated or just looked around the Embarcadero area, Hubba Hideout, Pier 7, Embarcadero, New and Old, so uh, the old one, and then the newer one, the reconstructed one that obviously came later, are all and even the island, if you know about the island, the are island all is like the current literally spot. hundreds of feet from each other. Yeah. It's such an amazing amount of spots. 
in an extremely small radius of space, which you didn't necessarily have anywhere else except for like Philadelphia. Because if you watch Ricky Oyola's Epically Later, he's talking about how he always wanted to do this one run through Love Park and through City Hall and like all this stuff around mm-hmm. that area. You know, Philadelphia definitely had its fair share of spots in a very small radius of space. You know, when it comes to the East Coast, arguably Philly was able to dominate the plaza scene because New York was just too spread out. You know, you'd meet in Washington Square or the Brooklyn Banks and then you'd just run around town. That was the idea. Love Park, City Hall, all that stuff being right there was huge for those dudes' career. You could film an entire video part at multiple different spots all within like a quarter of a mile of one another. That's yeah. kind of absurd. In New York, you know, to film a full video part, I mean, I guess in theory you could film an entire video part at the Brooklyn Banks. I, I mean, I mean well, in total... theory you could film a whole video part doing whatever the fuck you want. But, you know what I mean? But most New York video parts were them venturing all over the city because there was so much different stuff to hit. There was so much terrain all over the place. But Philadelphia, yeah, you just could be in that one little zone and get so much work done. And I guess the same comes with Embarcadero. Arguably, the San Francisco scene had all the best plazas on the West Coast, and the Philadelphia scene had all the best plazas on the East Coast. I mean, the other East Coast scene we're sort of forgetting is Tampa, but I feel like Tampa is based more on parks. Well, Tampa's the South. Right. But it's still the East Coast. It's it's that side of the country, yeah. I never thought about Tampa or like honestly people, anywhere people in the don't, South. But Tampa produces a lot of good skaters, and they do. Yeah, well, Florida produces known, some great skaters. They're known for their parks more than anything, and I think there's something to be said about that with uh, Portland, Oregon, as well, because Portland obviously has Burnside, maybe one of the most famous skate parks in the entire country. Yeah, well, that and FDR maybe going back to Philly. But FDR, and you know what? You're right about that. I was about to say um, that FDR was kind of DIY, and I mean it was. It was basically the city had a bunch of money to do for or to F- give for a skate park. FDR and-, and Burnside, the two grimiest, grittiest parks. But they're both kind of DIY. Like yeah, now that I think yeah. about it, I'm pretty sure Burnside just started out as one wall that they built some tranny up to, and then as time went on, people just kept adding to it. FDR was the city was supposed to give them money to build a proper park, and they sort of like butchered it. Mm. And then people just kind of took matters into their own hands did it themselves moving over to southern california staying on the west coast you kind of think of definitely like old venice days too the pits and uh the santa monica courthouse too immediately come santa to monica courthouse i would yeah. argue santa monica courthouse was probably there the closest thing they had to a legitimate plaza i'd say no i'd say the pits at the old Venice pits were kind of like a plaza there's ledges and, sh- and sand gaps everywhere that spot looks super dope that's like a that's like a plaza. I mean, I guess, but I feel like a plaza for the most part has to have a good amount of variety. Like to be considered a true skate plaza. You know, you look at Embarcadero or Love, like they both had so much variety all around them in terms of how you could skate them. You could do There's everything. There's different, a different ledges way. and sand gaps. But 
with the courthouse, there was a bunch of stuff too. There were all those ledges. There were all those fountains. You could go over the stage. Them. Yeah. There and you know obviously the stage has been reconstructed in recent years to make things even more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, shout and out to Kelly Hart. For switching because this isn't a solely a, a plaza discussion here. Switching over to you know a whole different other side of skateboarding, which is rails and stair sets mm-hmm. la is la kind of just owns that scene as far as handrails yeah. and that you know that kind of skating goes i think once the whole big rails big stairs era started and all that stuff kind of became more possible and realistic you know you had your jim grecos and your andrew reynolds's and your jamie thomas's and jeff rallies like they're all doing this huge shit. They all live in a very limited area, which is like Huntington Beach or uh, Venice or anything like that. You know, they're all kind of in that part of Los Angeles. And, you know, they're all hitting the same stuff, like the Wilshire set. What else? Hollywood. Is- yeah, Hollywood High. That's- Hollywood, Wilshire. There's the one that it like has goes into bricks. It's like a, oh, a brick rail. Oh, Bricktown, yeah, right. All that Austin back nose blended it. All um, that stuff was is yeah the huge stuff that was changing Santa Monica the triple set. Oh yeah, how could we forget about the Santa yeah. Monica triple set? Shout out to Donnie Barley yeah. for that switch hard flip down it. Arguably wow. yeah, one of the best tricks to be done down the Santa Monica triple. That thing's been beaten to death too. Yeah, all those spots have been fucking murdered. Hollywood High. Me and my buddy were just talking the other day. Some kid did like a double dolphin flip down it or something. Um, That dude on Enjoy, Enzo Cotella, or however you pronounce his last name, he just did a hard flip over the fence. Wow. Oh, boy. And apparently he did it on the way to go to the King of the Road awards ceremony. Holy (laughs) shit. That's fucking awesome. That's fucked. Like, oh, let's just hard flip over the fence at Hollywood High real quick. It'll only take a moment. Don't even worry about it. Something to definitely always keep in mind when you're talking about West Coast versus East Coast and just, you know, the different type of skating it produces is the the condition of these spots. Right. Right. So... You know, we all, we all, if you know anything about skateboarding, you know that the East Coast has the grimier spots. I specifically think of Boston and New York. Boston for sure. I'm pretty sure Boston has like straight cobblestone sidewalks and streets they have had some dope spots that's totally your neck of the woods well, i was there. gonna say take it from me the the boston spots are definitely grimy um the reason though a lot of those spots are so gnarly like that is because we have a different type of concrete that is used on most roads in that area because of the weather they have it that way so it can be more weather resistant in icier conditions well, and it's just a older part of the country too yeah but i mean obviously stuff gets redone but when it gets redone it doesn't necessarily get made better the way it would get made better here in california it just gets made to be weather resistant and then what also ends up happening is every year 
when it gets icy, they have to sand the roads and salt the roads, and that shit does crazy damage to the right, concrete. Yeah. Like a perfect example, the road that I grew up on was garbage my entire life, and then right around the time I moved out west, they repaved it, and it was really nice. And three years after that, you know, enough weathering and salting and sanding, and it's back to being shit again. Yeah. So that's what happens. It doesn't get made to last forever. You know, in California, it's so smooth. Every yeah. spot is perfect. Just, I'm not going to front. We complain in California about yeah. like, oh, the the ledge was too perfect at third and army and now it's too rounded. Like, that's the type of problems we kind of deal with out here. Like, oh, the pier blocks got hecka chunky because they were so perfect and everyone skated them so much. And now they're less perfect. Right, exactly. (laughs) Like, we're, I'm, I would never, I would never, like, you know, hide the fact that we, I think we have it easier. I've always had it easier out here and going to, like, this, talking about, like, all the LA spots that, we just named that have been murdered. It's because they're perfect rails and they're perfect mm-hmm. stair sets. I think it was, uh, it was Chris Naratko who wrote this thing once about California picnic tables. And yeah, that, <laughs> that dude, like he's like, we didn't realize that California picnic tables were built for ants. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's a whole other thing. The whole LA, schoolyard like picnic tables that are like they're so low and meanwhile picnic table on the east coast is huge if you're popping over a picnic table in fucking connecticut somewhere it's probably burly as hell how many (laughs) videos do you think if you like put a compilation together of just like perfect la because footage is still coming out from L.A.? From, oh, yeah. like, no, of, like, specifically just schoolyard picnic table. You could make endless hours of footage strictly off of just schoolyard picnic tables and the the, the single benches, you know? The, yeah. like, skinnier ones that are a little lower. Like, there's, like, really, really great footage. Don't get me wrong. Some of the best footage ever. Keenan Milton switch flip. That's exactly uh, what I was thinking. But like that's that's L.A. and no one no one ever I don't know for coming from an East Coast dude did you ever look at that like look at L.A. footage and just be like fuck that shit like they're just in a schoolyard like that's kind of that's kind of weak like they don't like that's just a perfect spot it's more or less almost like a skate park we never looked at it as like oh that's weak we definitely looked at it as we were jealous as fuck because you're talking about schoolyards there were four schools in my town in the middle of nowhere. One had a four stair leading up to a six stair that you could hit. Another one had like a 12 stair that no one was going to hit. One person ever in my hometown ollied it. And the elementary school had nothing. And then the high school had one bench. And that bench was gone by the time I was in high school. Like it was there when I was in middle school, gone by the time I was going to school there. But we never looked at it as weak. I'll tell you what got us mad there's that quote Mark Johnson has in the Hot Chocolate Tour where he's like, yeah, if you think about anything on a skateboard, you know, you can do it if you just try hard enough. 
And I remember we all heard that and thought, yeah, if you're Mark Johnson, you're super good at skateboarding and you have a perfect have, spot to skate in Los Angeles. Yeah, right. Like yeah. we don't have any of these resources. We kind of suck. We live in the middle of nowhere and we're not that athletic and we don't have a picture perfect skate utopia. Well, that's really cool to pay attention to though, is what kind of skating came out from these, all these different regions Mm-hmm. And it totally was a mirror of the cityscape. So SF, you know, we had the the era of early FTC videos. So you see a lot of like cruising through the Avs and stuff like that, as well as, you know, Plaza stuff. Embarcadero, Blackrock. Embarcadero, like Blackrock, Brown Marble. Miley. Uh, Miley. And then later there was third in Pier 7. And that's, you know, that's, San, I guess San Francisco, it was kind of like a, a mesh of it all we kind of have everything here as far as spots yeah absolutely but and then you look at somewhere like new york which was kind of like quick hit like you know like bump to bar like a a, a great you yeah, know like say, cellar door cellar door yeah okay stuff like exactly that. absolutely yeah and then to go you know over to dc and pulaski where most of that skating was most of the footage being produced, I should say, was at Pulaski. Yeah. Right? There's the gold rail in D.C. There's Pulaski. And then kind of all these other, like, in-between spots that are super high bust factor. Because right, everything's absolutely. everything's federal out there. And then to come over to L.A., to your point of, you know, Mark Johnson and countless other skaters who have kind of made a career off of kicking it in the schoolyard with these picnic tables and now you're still seeing it with dudes like tiago lemos and all these really mind-blowing guys who are still in these schoolyards and just taking it to the next level well i just think of brian herman in the beginning of his stay gold part he has like this whole minute and a half maybe two minute long segment where he's just doing lines over all these picnic tables and that's the beginning of his part it's just him killing it's actually schoolyard it's actually come back a lot a few minutes it's come back a lot uh, recently yeah i mean i think a lot of those uh supreme dudes and stuff cherry had a lot of footage in schoolyards because i'm sure a lot of those dudes from new york when they come out here to skate they're like oh i don't want to cruise around the streets i do that in new york let's Let's go go hit those picnic tables where we can just chill all day and get as much footage as we want for real you know, it makes I, perfect sense. I don't blame him. Personally, I'm kind of like picky and weird about spots. So I couldn't imagine growing up, you know, in that in that crusty environment. I mean, it's it's amazing too to think about how some of these spots too gave birth to all sorts of companies. Like when you think about how many people from Girl and Chocolate were part of the Embarcadero crew. That was the whole thing. Yeah. That was their whole... They turned their squad, basically, into that brand and that family. I mean, granted, they were pulling some people out of plan B that they had. Uh, There's there's LA dudes involved in it, yeah. Yeah, like Guy and Costin were obviously... And, I mean, Rick Howard and Mike were on plan B together, so they were obviously friends. But, like, yeah, Chico, Mike York... Um, Javante, Shamil Randall, yeah, like, yeah, they were all fucking Ben Sanchez. Yeah, how could I forget about Ben Sanchez? He had that killer part in Mouse, but they were all 
the Embarcadero crew. It's, it spawned something. And then the Brooklyn Banks initially gave birth to one of the most notorious skate posses ever, and that was Shut. Right. Like, Shut was the hugest thing in New York, and Shut eventually turned into Zoo York, but it all came from that hanging out at the Brooklyn Banks. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, I don't know if you could credit it, but, like, people were skating the Santa Monica boardwalk a lot in the late eighties. And I don't know how much you could credit for like Rocco kind of meeting a lot of the people he started to pick up there for world. I'd put that more towards like the courthouse scene, the world, the world folks were more like uh, Venice. I feel like in the courthouse, I mean, talking about the East coast also, you know, alien workshop, we talked about photosynthesis at the beginning. Alien Workshop wasn't a Philadelphia-based company. You know, actually, they were from Dayton, Ohio. They're one of the first big companies in the Midwest, which is a whole other topic of exploration one day later down the line, is companies who didn't come from the coasts or, or spots that aren't on the coasts, even though like it's kind of... It's kind of weird out there in the middle of America. Be a quick episode. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they had all these riders who were living on the East Coast um, at the time. You know, Jason Dill, Kerry Getz, Fred Gall, Josh Kalis, Josh Kalis, Anthony Papalardo, Brian Wenning. Yeah. All these dudes were from that area, and they all sort of just got lucky in the sense that they all eventually were on this team together. They seemed more, more East coast. And like, when I think of zoo York, I always thought of just kind of New York. And when I think of, I guess you might be able to say something similar about alien workshop with Philly, but zoo York to me was just so much more like pigeonholed as like straight, like nyc right alien workshop had that sort of like, universal right yeah um flavor because they did have people from all over the uh-huh. country on their team but yes zoo york was very much like we are a new york company we are new york to our core all our graphics are going to have to do with new york all our ads are going to have to do with new york new york new york new york new york and then of course one of the biggest brands plastered everywhere now is supreme out of new york supreme started as a crew and as a skate shop where all these dudes dill and all all these dudes were kicking it and i think that like supreme and new and zoo york was like the original kind of i don't know just like the face of the east coast oh definitely just everything. I mean, Supreme was was actually more low key and kind of it was more of just like the kick it spot back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like emerging out of the East Coast, they have you know believe it or not to however you may feel about Supreme and where it is now, they are a skateboard brand, and that is how it started. And they really kind of ushered and owned and have, like, kind of coined the fuck you, like, the East Coast, NYC, like, fuck you type of culture. You know, New York skating and attitude, which is a huge part of 
of just that scene, I feel like. It's interesting to think, too, how many companies, too, have felt so dedicated to their turf. Like, Zoo York is one of them, but let's just look at Deluxe and all the brands they have. I mean, at this point, Real is very much scattered around the country. Anti-Hero, sort of, but most of them are concentrated here and have been concentrated Real, Real does Jim Thibault is the man you know and real and real deluxe distribution i should say i have always are my absolute favorite stuff in the industry i think they keep it so real and they keep it so san francisco warehouse still in petro hill like that's a huge global brand and they fucking put on for frisco and they had a great period of time from like 1993 to 2000 where they had all these crazy brands with all these great skaters and it was all very much San Francisco based but the thing about their brands was they weren't the dudes like hanging out at Embarcadero you know John Cardiel was blazing new terrain at all times Julian Stranger was bombing huge hills and doing like random little hit or quit stuff the real team was all about that hit or quit life and then even at the time they had stereo under their belt and stereo was very much a san francisco based company in the mid 90s they did all those videos of them like cruising the avenues and they weren't hitting your typical san francisco spots in an era where a lot of that stuff was still going on that's absolutely true. Real specifically has always done a really good job of fostering the talent out here. So there's a couple of young kids that I know just from like the skate scene and they're like young local kids and they also know how to find talent across the country. You know, they know how to they know how to find actually real. I think is one of the companies has found a handful of dudes out of the Midwest and the South, but they've, as far as, you know, going back to the whole like coastal thing, they know how to find and foster local talent and build and build upon that. Jim Thibault is just like a mastermind. Yeah. In- he's always been good at recognizing quality talent. I guess when you have all these people, though, you're either seeing them in some of these spots. I mean, we're talking about how people are skating all these spots and therefore able to recruit skaters for their elite squad. I mean, someone like Jim Thibault was probably witnessing stuff all over San Francisco, which is why back in the 90s he was able to assemble such solid lineups for real. Clearly it makes it easier, like these concentrated urban towns if you're talking about san francisco new york boston mm-hmm. la it makes it easier because there's skaters everywhere there's spots everywhere yeah and i mean la you look at you know people like back in the late 80s when they were trying out for powell peralta and stuff like you know it would just be like stacy would show up at a spot you skated all the time and you'd just be on for him and and that was that. Like, he'd be like, oh, that was cool. Like, we're going to put you on the team. And then, like, the same with a lot of that world stuff back in the day. I look at, too, like, you know, the, some of the bigger companies, like Toy Machine, they were recruiting people back in the day from all over the country. You know, Alyssa Steamer's coming from Florida. Brian Anderson's coming from Connecticut. And so is Donnie Barley. Jamie Thomas's 
like he moved from Alabama to San Francisco and then is kind of bouncing around just trying to do his thing. I always loved that about skateboarding. The stories of people who got hooked up at the spot mm-hmm. or like I used to skate the spot a lot and so-and-so used to skate that spot who was sponsored and they started just giving me shit and that went from there. Right. I love that. And I mean, the LA thing, I don't know if there were necessarily spots that were breeding all these teams the same way there were in, say, San Francisco or New York. Like, because they're cities that you can kind of get around on foot, you can just skate around San Francisco and run into people all day. But L.A. is so much more spread out. That being said, you know, companies like Baker were forming simply because of friendships that had already formed and roommates and stuff like that. Like this was, this is one of the biggest companies in skateboarding today. And it was essentially started because all these pro skaters were a bunch of crazy motherfuckers who just happened to hang out together all the time. They weren't necessarily recruiting a ton of people at that time. In fact, I'm pretty sure one of the first recruits on Baker was Knox Godoy. (laughs) Baker doesn't, necessarily get like immediately related to la i think all the time but i think they are the most la possibly one of the most like west coast brands ever yeah absolutely and i mean earlier days of la companies like we we've been talking about they world don't, they it don't was sort fly of the, the la deal. flag very big is what i mean to say yeah. Not to cut you off. No, but it's like all good. they don't like like all the, I'm trying to think like most of their all their skaters are from LA, right? They don't they don't go out marketing themselves as a big crazy like LA squad, but like that's kind of how it is. I mean, a good amount of skaters on their team are from LA, but I mean, think about it. Fucking Andrew Reynolds is from Florida. Right, but he <laughs> I mean, a- Andrew Reynolds is about as LA as it gets. At this point, yes. You want to talk about someone, too, recruiting all of their friends from skating around their area. You know, look at Chad Muska and how he put shorties together. That was just all from them hanging out, drinking on the boardwalk in San Diego and skating whatever was in front of them. Like Peter Smolik and Brandon Turner... And all of them were essentially, for the most part, unknown when he put them on shorties. They were kind of starting to shine through. The talent pool is rich. Yeah. He was able to just be like, oh, you guys are all right here. You're my friends. And don't go ride for zero. Like, come ride for me because we'll just be gangsters and we'll be ridiculous. As a San Francisco, like, you know, very loyal San Francisco company, I think it's interesting to talk a little bit about the the separation of even like Northern California or the Bay Area and LA too. Mm-hmm. Even though it's kind of the ultimate crossover was committed with the Girl Chocolate family started out here, they went to LA eventually. I think there's a big line between it, absolutely, to compare it with like Deluxe and a brand like Baker or Modern Girl Chocolate. I always felt, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong because I just grew up in it, but I always felt there was like a definite division 
of that skating and those brands what do you think as like an outsider maybe like the skating is different you know what i mean like the skating is different we're i think we're a little edgier out here i definitely think the la stuff is a lot more polished uh than say a san francisco but even like, like the skater. the like the brand like you know like picture a FTC video and like what that looks like compared to you know some some video that's almost strictly out of LA. Definitely different. Definitely a lot more grittier in terms of spots. I mean, if you want to talk about, I'll never be able to get past just the simple East Coast versus West Coast thing in the sense that you know the spots out here are perfect and the spots out where I'm from are crusty and tough to skate you know i'll I'll never get over that (laughs) you gotta you gotta that still is enough for me you gotta hurl that before the california debate yeah and i mean dude there's there's other cities on the coast that we have talked about in passing like we've talked about portland a little bit and how burnside's there there's seattle when it comes to new england there's uh boston and then you know you go further south and there's even like Atlanta and Tampa and Miami and all these other places. But, you know, I can't, as a person from Boston, I can't really name any crazy successful companies that have come out of there. Um, the most famous video, I think, to come out of Boston was the PJ Ladd's Horrible, Wonderful, wonderful Life. Horrible Life. Or is it Wonderful, Horrible? I, yeah. No. Well, that video. That video is amazing and a great representation of boston and it's funny because nowadays boston is known for some really like kooky skating like one of the biggest companies out of there right now is fancy lad Mm. like they do all this weird shit and you can kind of see the birth of that happening in the pj lad video like they're doing a lot of weird circus maneuvers that i can see how anyone growing up around that and I'm looking at you, Colin Fisk, but I can see how anyone growing up around that would be inspired to kind of keep it really weird and outlandish, especially since Boston, it has certain things to offer, like eggs is obviously a classic spot, and the aquarium is another one, but, you know, I respect what Fancy Lad's doing because they're finding shit that no one would necessarily think to skate because it's all they have, and they're turning it into something right. of their own. So, exactly. So do you think that's... Kind of what we were saying earlier, that all that skating is a direct product of what they have to skate. Right, absolutely. I think your set of skills will always come based on what is in front of you. And if you want to get really into that, like, look at Japan. Yeah. Like, all those dudes are gnarly because the architecture in Japan offers up so much crazy shit. Same with something like Spain. I mean, yeah, totally. And you could even relate it to L.A. skate parks. Because that's where most kids are coming up and, like, it's their training ground. There's skate parks all over the place. They're not in the streets anymore. That's where they're going. I want to go back to talking about how your skating looks depending on the spot and just kind of the gritty factor. And I felt it necessary to talk about Fred Gall and how he is the most iconic, grimy spot killer the the east coast legend dude he has one clip in photosynthesis where he does this 
nollie over a chain into a bank and it's just this like really short thing but every time i look at that i think to myself that has to be the grimiest thing that no one would ever want to do <laughs> he's really carved out this reputation of like he will fucking annihilate the crustiest spot and he is new jersey that is the new jersey crust man that's mm -hmm. Dope, and he's done it for a long time now, too. I mean, Jersey, there's another place we could technically mention that has its own little scene. And I think if you ever really want to go and see what a scene is like, like any of these places, don't get like the girl video or the Zoo York video or the Alien Workshop video. Like, try and find the shop video. The shop video, absolutely. Or something. Yeah. One of my favorite videos ever is a shop video from New Jersey, and it's all suburban Jersey skating, plus like some Philly and some New York clips. But for the most part, it's suburban Jersey skating, and it, it gives you a good idea of what they actually had to skate yeah. and what was in their area. The PJ Ladd video is good for that too, in terms of Boston. And then, like, things like the FTC videos or the Newell video. FTC 3, favorite video. FTC 3 and the 6 Newell video, I think, are very accurate representations of what skating in San Francisco is actually like. Right. Yeah. And then I'd, LA, I'd agree. I don't know if I've ever seen a shop video out of LA in my time. I was trying to think. <laughs> like, I couldn't. My, Far pharmacy? No. I've never seen any of their videos, but I just know, we all know LA because it's just been, you know, like you said earlier, it's been beaten to shit over the years. Well, you know, every spot has been murked. <laughs> to go way back, we have to salute LA, of course, for being on the forefront of cultivating skateboard culture, though. Yes. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, Dogtown and Venice and all that shit. It was really the beginning of all of it. So it has the foundation of skateboarding is in Southern California, which is why I think, not think, obviously, that, that culture and just that whole scene is super rich like that. It's been interesting over the years to watch everyone adapt. Like... There were countless skaters on reel in the 90s who were branching both coasts, like Kim Cardona and Huff and uh, Ben Liver's Edge, Matt Field. They Bobby were, Puglio. Bobby, I mean, he wasn't on reel, but yes, he is a perfect example. Also, like in that regard, you know, Jason Dill has been a back and forth guy between both coasts. And that is interesting because. Both coasts shape people to skate differently, but the fact is skateboarding teaches you to adapt to your surroundings. Like, it doesn't matter where you are necessarily from, but East Coast people, they're definitely going to skate a certain way and look at things a different way, and West Coast people, same deal. But the fact that they can go back and forth and still be successful is really important and says a lot about skating as a whole. You see the back and forth. Yeah, the back and forth is most obvious, I think, between SF and New York. So, Mark Gonzalez, LA and New York, LA and SF too. Gons, Brian Anderson, ton of people have done this kind of thing. And I think now skateboarding is also affording people the luxury of 
maybe having two homes. I was going to say, I mean, you look at the dudes who are handling business for GX1000 and they're back and forth constantly. You see it is Shad. I was just like about to bring him Philly up. All the time. He'll be in Philly at Love Park killing it one minute and then the next you'll see like photos of him launching out of the ramps at Lower Bob's. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're all back and forth and they're afforded that luxury of travel. And then I think of someone who did the opposite like with going from the west to the east, someone like uh, Mark Suchu, who like he is from LA but wanted to go to college in Philadelphia so that he could skate all the Philly spots. I mean, there's something to be said about that. He was born and raised in a place where all the best spots are, and then he dipped out and went to Philly, which also has great spots. But you know, most people in LA they don't feel the need to leave LA. I think Huff is a good example too. He is from New York. I still, even though I know he's from New York, I still, when I picture Huff, I picture SF footage. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if everyone else feels that same way, but... I picture a good amount of his New York footage, though. That's only because I know some of it really well. Like, I think of a lot of his tricks in mixtape. And then, um, oh, there's one other video I'm thinking. Oh, he had a bunch of New York footage, too, in Skate More. PJ's another dude. PJ yeah, is kind of, I think he's fully committed to the L.A., the L.A. life. Eli Reed, he's, I've seen him go back and forth. Point being is it's not really as far as like SF to New York. It's different to me. Well, like I said earlier, you know, with there and Philly, all those places you're able to kind of skate around and get around on foot as opposed to L.A., like, you can't do that. You can't do that in San Diego, really, either. No. So that's why it's interesting. That makes sense. We were talking about some of those other cities that we can't necessarily name all the big companies to come out of them, like Portland or something, but I assume that some of those places have worse or better public transportation than others. Boston, you can get around pretty easily, too, from spot to spot. Well, a good thing to mention is the weather factor. Yes. So a big, big factor of L.A. skateboarding is that it is sunny 300 days of the year. I ultimately think that is what it comes down to for the biggest difference is in what kind of skaters are bred on the different coasts because people in the Northeast are more willing to endure the cold for the sake of skating. Like they don't have a problem with it. It's totally okay with them. Your environment will always shape how you skate and the weather clearly plays a big factor. And then therefore your access to spots in a great magnitude can allow you to advance further. But basically this day and age, everyone's kind of trying to be an all-terrain skater. So if you can skate Philly really well, chances are you could probably go out to L.A. or San Francisco and skate really well. The great coastal debate. I don't, I don't want to throw salt on L.A. I don't want to hate on L.A. because I have a lot of love for L.A. and the whole scene and has produced some of the best skaters and skateboarding ever. But... I think, you know, there's no there's no better or worse when you're talking about coastal skateboarding. That's not really the the point of this topic, but to kind of bring it all together, LA is LA for 
you know, the history and the spots and kind of the, the plush conditions mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the far coast, San Francisco and New York is kind of more that grittier. Well, arguably both those places truly took skateboarding into the streets. San Francisco, you had that first footage of Tommy Guerrero just like bombing hills and hitting people's driveways and wall riding stuff and maybe ollieing over something. And then in New York, they were taking it to the Brooklyn Banks and to Washington Square Park, pushing all around the city to just hit different spots. And, you know, that was how they lived. L.A. It was more concentrated. You could kind of relax and skate a ditch or something all day long back in the day. And that's why the roots of skateboarding came from there. And surfing, I mean, played a big part in that. They had the big surfer lifestyle, and that's originally how skateboarding was seen to them. It was just something to do in between bad and good waves, you know. And then they just took everything to the next level as time went on. Ultimately, there is no better place to, like, come up skating anymore. It's just how dedicated are you to pushing yourself around and either finding new spots in your area or turning some sort of plaza spot into your own. Because if you think about it, when it comes to things like Love Park and Embarcadero, I feel like as kids, that's what we all wanted. I talked about it earlier with how the schools I had growing up had nothing. And we didn't even have a skate park in my hometown until I was maybe 19 or 20. One of the first memories I have of skateboarding in my hometown was that there were these tennis courts at my middle school that were just, no one used them anymore, except for gym classes. And there was a period of time where a bunch of kids in high school like left ramps and boxes and rails down there and they called it Coco Bongo. It lasted for maybe a week or two. But for a while, that was the spot you could go. Like All the kids would just hang out there all day long, and they'd probably slip off to go smoke weed in the woods once in a while. They'd skate for six hours. Their parents knew where they were, and they could go home and lead a happy life. You know, We didn't have a spot that we could make our own like that, but I think more than make the skate park your spot, all the advice to you kids out there is make like some cool parking lot or some dope schoolyard or some... Just cool park area. Make that your spot to just come up, get good, and form your little team.